This is the Midlife Motorheads Podcast. Listen in as we talk about our automotive adventures in the shop, on the road, and at the track. So climb on in, tighten those belts, and let's go for a ride. We are the Midlife Motorheads. And now, broadcasting from Motorhead Central, somewhere in the Carolinas, is the hosts of the show, Gene and Trotty. All right, and welcome to another episode of the Midlife Motorhead Podcast. I'm your show host, Trotty, along with my co-host, Gene, and we have a great show lined up. Waiting on the line is our guest today, the Porsche 968 Register Advocate. Welcome back to uh, another episode of uh, Midlife Motorheads. We uh, we appreciate you jumping on a call with us again. Had a couple of people asking about, you know, what's a 968 worth and, and those kinds of things. And I think as uh, I follow you on the uh, different forums, probably the question I see people ask you most often is how many 968s are left? So you want to kind of start with that and, and roll through because I, I know you – you're, you're well-versed in that answer, right? So if you can uh, talk to us about, you know, how many are left, how many we started with, and then um, we'll, we'll kind of take it from there. So welcome, Jeff. All right. Thanks. Uh, glad to be here, guys. We had a good time last time, so I'm glad to be back again. Um, I think I'd first like to say that uh, although I am a tremendous fan of the 968, having owned them since 1996, I'm also a realist. And I understand that you know, when we look at the grade of collectibles, uh, I would probably realistically define the 968 as a grade C collectible. So I'm not going to say it's an A, it's not a Hemi Cuda, but again, it's not a Ford Country Squire station wagon either. So I, I'll be honest and say that I realistically think it's a C, which I don't think is anything to be ashamed of. I think that's a, a decent grade collector car. And of course, they're uh, just like any grade of cars. Um, there are cars that are going to be at the high end and cars at the low end of the spectrum. But being the, looking at where the 968 is in the market, I think it's a good solid C, which is fine. And I'm happy with that. So um, which makes ask, it go ahead. Which, which makes it a driver, right? Which makes it a car you can actually enjoy. True. I, I spent some time this week with a gentleman and, and we'll, um, we'll I'll put some information up about this on on your YouTube channel as well as on our website. This guy was called in to look at a 914-6 that sat in a garage for like 40 years. And he was able to buy the car from the widow, and the car had 6,000 miles on it. And, and I asked him, you know, as part of the interview, I said, can we go look at the car? And he, he, he said, no. He said, I sold the car. I was afraid to drive it. He was he was afraid to drive his car, which you know that, that really says a lot. And and I hope when my 968 is finished, right, which is like the project that will never end, that I'll not be afraid to drive it. But th- you know that's the key. I think that you know I, I agree with you. C grade makes a lot of sense, and it's something you can jump in and drive and not be afraid. And I think Minty is probably a great example of that. You drive that car everywhere. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. And uh, the, you definitely can drive it. And there's plenty of drivable examples. You and I both know you can buy a decent drivable coupe 
for you know fifteen thousand dollars. I mean, you know, there there you've got a car that's you know got all the other attributes which we're going to talk about, but at the same time, like you said, you're going to be able to drive it, not have to worry about significant depreciation or that that something's going to happen to this car. You know, your buddies that that nine fourteen six that's an incredibly rare car, so I totally get that. Now that said, there are definitely 968s that fall into that category as well. I'm, and I don't know if you know this, but two years ago, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to buy a, uh, a 968 Cabriolet that had 19,000 miles on it. Um, it was Wimbledon green in color and uh, one owner and needed also been stored for many, many years and needed a bunch of things that needed attention, uh, but uh, got a good deal on it and we fixed it up and again, when the car was done, it was a beautiful car, but I knew it wasn't a car for me because, again, 19,000 miles, a big part of that car's value is this mileage. And I didn't want a car I couldn't drive. You know, you get a car like that with a low mileage car like that, you know, especially in the collector area. And the 968s with that low mileage are the same thing. You really can't drive them because that's just going to kill their, their, their premium that you just paid for it to get it in the first place. Sure. So, uh, so I own that car for, you know, my son and I bought it and we had it for three months and then we ended up selling it and we did yeah. well. Um, but again, that's just not the kind of car that I want to have. Now you mentioned Minty. Uh, when I bought Minty, I, I know Minty is a, a very collectible 968. It's one of the most recognized cars, great options and everything else. But again, Part of the thing I've all, I love about owning that car is it just commands immediate attention no matter where it goes. And so, and I've been glad that I've been able to get it out for people to see. So it had 41,000 miles on when I bought it, just turned 60,000 last year. So I ha- as you and I talked about previously, uh, I have driven to a number of parades and I go to uh, shows fairly regularly. So I'm not afraid to, to drive it. And uh, so to get the car out to be seen. But I do know, you know, if I had kept it in a, uh, you know, a little uh, show box and not done anything with it, you know, it'd probably be worth a little bit more, but you know, uh, what fun is that? Sure. So Jeff, um, one of the things I did this week in preparing for this is I started to look at Google trends and on Google trends, you are able to look at how often people are searching for a particular term. And this term happens to be Porsche 968. Okay. And See, there's a, our search term up here, Porsche 968. Mm-hmm. And this is this is worldwide. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see that 100 mm-hmm. is, is where we start as a basis, right? This is not exactly numbers of, of whatever. It's just the baseline. Mm-hmm. So starting in 2004 is when there was the most uh, interest in the 968 as far as Google searches. Okay. And you can see right around January 2013, it really kind of plateaued out and in 2017, 2018, very flat. Mm-hmm. What I found very interesting in this, and since we're talking about the, you know, what's the value of a 968, you know, market value, value, Belgium was was the number one country in in looking at uh, or searching for the term 968. Mm-hmm. And you can get down, I'm a little too far. You can get down to like specific regions of of countries, but country-wise, Belgium then Germany, then Austria, then Switzerland, then Sweden, then France, then the Netherlands, then United Kingdom, then Finland, then Canada. And after Canada, you get to the United States, not even in the top 10. 
Mm-hmm. I found that extremely interesting. Well, I wonder, tell, you tell me, uh, one thing I find interesting is, uh, you know, we rolled out our uh, 968 uh, register.org website in um, 2012. When you have a site that's dedicated as a source for information, does that mean that there would people that knew about it would bypass Google and then just go straight to a site to get the information rather than looking for it. I don't know. Your, your guess is kind of as good as mine, but uh, I just found it interesting that there's a lot of a lot of excitement, if you will, or more excitement outside the United States than inside mm-hmm. the United States. And it seems to be in the region of Germany, right. Belgium. And, um, you know, we talked about cars that you don't want to drive because they have too low mileage. You know, my 28,000 mile 968 Cabriolet, I sold it to someone in Germany. Right. The car went back to Germany. So I, I find that interesting. But here's yep. the, the the breakout from the United States, which this to me, I didn't see any surprises here. California, Florida, Virginia, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, you know, it just seemed like it, this, this all kind of made sense. Right. Um, not a Midwest car, right? It doesn't look like there's, there was many in the Midwest. But right. what this will also do is come down and tell you related queries here. The most popular 968 search seems to be folks are looking for a 968 Cabriolet. That seems to be the most uh, widely searched um, cluster of uh, terms, Porsche Ooh. 968 Cabriolet. Yep. So I found it interesting. And I'm wondering if that's being driven by the Europeans looking for 968s. And, you know, that might uh, that might over time actually boost the market value of a Porsche 968 Cabriolet. Yeah. Thoughts? And what's, what's interesting, Gene, and I think you know this, um, I get in the last couple of years, I get a lot more inquiries looking people looking for coupes than they do cabs. Yeah. And I think the market shows that, too. Um, you know, a cab which costs a good five to 10 percent more than a uh, comparable coupe back when they were new is now pretty much comparable in, in resale value. Uh, you know, the coupes just seem to, uh, people are looking for them. They like the style. They want a hard, hard roof over them or whatever. Now, now that said, I own one, I own two coupes in one cab and I enjoy the cab the most, you know, I love, and I'm sure you remember as well, you know, you put the top down and go for a cruise that that's, that's, that's the ticket. Nothing uh, better. I know, I know you're a coupe guy now, but, uh, I always enjoy the cab. So, if if I were to buy another one, I would like a rare colored cab tip, mm-hmm. just for cruising around the mountains. That, yeah. that'd, that'd be my thing. So, yeah. Jeff, let's talk about some numbers. Okay. All right. So, as you know, um, well, I you know what, Gene? Before we go there, let me tell you why. Uh, you know, we talked about the the 968 having a C grade for collectible. Um, you know, I jotted down a few reasons why. Um, you know, like I said, there's nothing wrong with a C. You know, it, it's better than a D and an F, and it's not as good as an A and a B. But, it, you know, a C is a solid C. So, you know, when I thought about the reasons why um, the 968 um, has has a good, you know, good strong C behind it, there are a number of them. First one is, you know, it's a Porsche. So it's got that mark behind it, and uh, that is a, st- a strong mark. It's associated with performance vehicles. 
no matter what kind of vehicle we're talking about. And the, the 968 is, you know, meets right up on the line there, nothing to be ashamed of uh, with that car. And so it meets everything that the, the, that the mark is all about. Um, the other thing that, and, and when, as you're talking about the mark, um, you and I both know back 20 years ago, there was some discrimination going on. You know, the 911 people sometimes wouldn't uh, be so receptive to any other car other than a 911 or, you know, maybe a 356. Even, you know, that 914.6 that you found would be poo-pooed. But uh, that's changed. Porsche is an incredibly diversified company now. Um, I think you might know that uh, the wife and I bought a uh, Macan a couple of years ago with a 2.0 liter four cylinder in it, just like what I got in the 968. Well, inline four cylinder. Yes. And so, uh, so that's funny that, but they've got, you know, between the Cayenne, the Panamera, the Sport Turismo, the Cayman, the Boxster, you know, all kinds of cars. So there you go to a Porsche car, you know, yeah, the 911 will always be on top of the hill, hill, but I think uh, people are much more accommodating to the other cars more, much more so than they used to be. Sure. Now, you keep going down the list. The uh, <clears throat> the other thing that really helps the 968 from a collectability perspective is its uh, uniqueness. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned numbers. With the, um, the 968, they only sold 4,242 of them between in North America between 1992 and 1995. That is really small numbers. I always kind of uh, chuckle while I'm watching uh, an episode of Barrett Jackson or something like that. And they say, oh yeah, that's a really rare car. It was one of, uh, you know, only 4,000 made and thinking that the 968 in its entirety, coupes and cab, 4,000. So, you know, a true attribute of a collector is a car is it has to be exclusive. And the 968 has that in spades. And, and, and that's nothing to say that there was anything wrong with the car. It was all about timing and price. Uh, as sure. you know, they're being in the late, early 90s. There was a full full blown recession going on. And then on top of that, these were the last of the handheld Porsches with incredibly high window stickers. Minty window sticker over $60,000 back in 1992. And that's well over $100,000 today. So, uh, you know, you have a recession going on. That's going to make a tough, tough sale. Sure. Then, um, you know, the uh, the other things about it is, again, the technology for what the car is um, has aged very well. Um, this, the variable cam is uh, valve, variable valve timing, something we see on all new cars today that was introduced on that car and results in, uh, you know, some performance that that's really appreciated. And that was the first time I used it. The six speed uh, transaction, again, time is still a timeless uh, setup. The 50-50 weight ratio, again, new cars today strive for that as well. These were all in the 968 out the gate. Um, the design has aged very well. I still will go to car shows, and on occasion, someone who's less car savvy will come up and say, is this a new Porsche, a new kind of Porsche they're making? And I have to explain, no, this is actually a 25-year-old Porsche. And, they, <laughs> and again, that's... That testifies to the to the how well the the design is aimed. Another thing is it was the final version of, of that series of cars. You know, we started with the 924. They learned a lot with the 944, and they capped it off with the 968. So uh, that's resulted in reliability and a, you know a bulletproof design car, and that's helped as well. And it's great to be the last one because it has all that uh, design behind it. 
one of the caveats for all performance cars is you have to have some true period racing history. And although the 968 doesn't have much, it does have some, and that's all you need. Uh, as you know, they made about 20 of the Turbo Yes cars and four of the Turbo RS cars, incredibly collectible cars today, but they did compete and race back when they were new. Uh, you know, not in great numbers, obviously, but they did. And that's what's necessary in order to support that collector. Really. You'll always be a, a, you know, a fake if you don't have true racing history, no matter how many spoilers and splitters you have. You got to show that back when the car was new, it actually was raced. And, you know, and the 968 is no exception to that. So you look at all of those things. And I think all those blend into making the car a good C grade, solid collectible. Um, and, you know, one that I think will continue to rise going forward. If you look at the market over the last few years, peaked up a lot, probably three years ago. It's, you know, the car, general car collector market in its entirety went down a little bit a couple of years ago. And it's come back a little bit more towards that. And the 968 was right with the pack. Uh, but that said, you know, the more collectible ones have done really well. So you mentioned uh, or, uh, that I was just at Amelia and uh, they had a 968 down there, which was a very nice car. Uh, it was at the Gooding auction. Now, it was a 1995. It was silver with classic gray interior. It had 14,500 miles on it. So very low mileage car. So I got to go look at the car. Uh, it was very clean. I had a few things that needed attention, but overall, very nice. Uh, but the worst thing about it is it had a Tiptronic transmission, which, uh, as you know, uh, hurts the, the performance of the 968 pretty significantly. Uh, but that said, it did sell fairly well. It sold for $40,320, which was a, a decent. I thought that was a, a good, strong uh, performance for what the car was. So that was a hammer price was forty grand. That's correct. And what was the premium on top of that? Is there a buyer's premium? Yeah, I think it's 10%. Or six percent on top of that, six percent, I think it is. So, uh, yeah, so, that, so that was a good, it, it was a nice car. It had come out of the Brumos collection and it was all original paint and looked good. Again, uh, if you and I were down there looking at the car, we could go around and find a whole bunch of little things that need attention. But the solid car was it was a solid car, paint was really nice, and you know, nothing. To, the interior was one of the best classic gray interiors I've ever seen. Yeah, go so ahead. that guy walked away out of pocket. Around forty three thousand dollars. Yeah. By the time you took all the fees and everything to buy that car. Yeah. And he probably shipped it, right? I, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You yeah. Probably didn't, and, uh, so you know, you're pro you're knocking on the door of like forty four, maybe forty five thousand dollars by the time you're all in on the trip and everything else. That's really strong yeah. for a, a Tiptronic. Tip yeah. tip that's the thing to know. Yeah, it's funny. The window sticker was there, and that's about what it was sold for new, about $44,000. So, so it's interesting to see that. If it had been a six-speed, uh, you know, at least another 10, 10, top on, 10 on top of that. A red six-speed with only 4,000 miles uh, sold in Scottsdale back in January for $66,000. Uh, obviously, a lot less mileage, and it did have a six-speed. Uh, but the pedigree wasn't nearly as nice as this car. This car had all the paperwork from new. The, the red car was very nice, but it had a, a number. It didn't have a solid pedigree as far as paper trail and stuff like that. I yeah. mean, I don't doubt it didn't have 4,000 miles. And then there's been other sales. We had probably one of the cream of the crops sold um, within the last year. Um, one of the, it was a speed yellow 
MO30 with a number of custom factory options with only 9,000 miles, almost 10,000 miles on it. Absolutely beautiful car, a sunroof delete, and uh, you would like that. And uh, that car sold for mid-60s. And so, and, and again, another coupe. And, was that a uh, California so, car at one point? It, it, it was that guy Raider. He owned it for a while. Believe it or not, it sold new out of Zwickley, Pennsylvania. Same dealership that delivered Minty when Minty was there. Yeah. I bought a um, Cabriolet windscreen from Raider. I stood in okay. his garage. And uh, that car was not in there. He had sold it by then. But there was a uh, there was a yellow BMW M3 in his garage, sunroof delete. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the guy finds cars, but <laughs> they're just amazing. Right. So just amazing. So, again, those are all good. Uh, or those are all examples of really primo cars that have sold in st- for strong numbers. So you can definitely see uh, 968s going for 50, 60 grand when it's one of those types of cars. Now, let's get go down to the next tier, which would be where I've seen some nice, strong sales. There was a last year, a black 968 coupe with the MO30 suspension package uh, sold. Now, this was an 80,000 mile car of sports seats, limited slip, and sold for $30,000. And, uh, you know, well, well sorted. Now, you know, the MO30 sports suspension cars are are rare. They only need 99 up there. From a performance perspective, they they represent the cream of the crop from the North American 968. Because uh, again, you bought this car and it's got the bigger brakes on it with the 928 calipers. It's got the bigger sports sway bars and the Coney adjustable shocks. That, that was so the that, track car of the day, right? So if you had a 911 and you want a track car, you go buy a 968, you'd order the MO30 right. to get that, that package together. Correct. And uh, it was a if you read period articles at the time, it was a very punishing suspension. But again, you got it on a track and it really performed well. So those cars definitely bring a premium. They get another 50% of value. If that black car I mentioned to you uh, was just a regular 968, it would have been a $20,000 car. But yeah. you add in that you add in that um, um, that sports suspension, and again, again it'll go uh, another 50% and get you up to about 30 just because of that. Um, the other one are the colors. Um, as we discussed last time, 968 is known for the amount of uniqueness that they have. They had 33 colors, exterior colors available, and 98 different interiors. So that results in a lot of one-on-ones. And you yourself mentioned you'd like to get in a, you know, you would love to have an unusually colored 968 cap. Um, they are rare, but they are out there. But when they do show up, they uh, sell quickly and, and definitely at a premium. A recent example is uh, Speed Yellow Coupe number four recently showed up out of a state and sold immediately into the collector market for a, a pretty decent amount. Um, pretty, uh, I don't know the exact number, but I know it sold very, very quickly. Uh, but those cars will always bring, uh, you know, anything in Speed Yellow, again, is going to get another 50% on top of a comparably equipped car. Other popular options are the sports seats. Um, and the uh, unlimited slip, uh, you know, they're not going to bring as much as the, you know, the, the paint in the MO3O, but they're definitely going to boost up the value of the car. And, uh, you know, you're looking for a car with a solid pedigree and good maintenance history. And again, that'll bring it well, good value. So obviously there's other collector aspects, you know, um, serial number, VIN numbers that are early, uh, versus late cars and stuff like that. So, uh, 
you know, those can also factor in and on the value of the car. And then from there, we get down to the lower tier, which is your, you know, regular 968s. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, a, uh, you know, a decent, and I'm going to put cabs and coupes together on this, a sorted, well-rounded, well-running 968 Cooper cab, six-speed, um, one you can get in and drive. It's probably going to need a little bit of work, but you're going, you know, you're talking fifteen to twenty thousand dollars for a good one, you know, to be able to get out and enjoy. And anything below that, you're you're going to do some work. Uh, we will see them trade in the ten thousand dollar range, but again, that's a car that's going to, or maybe even sub tens, but that's going to be a car that's going to need another five thousand dollars put into it to get it to go. So I think yeah. that about covers your whole range. You know, your low end nine sixty eight, which is almost a parts car, is going to go for, you know, even if you look at a nine sixty eight from a parts perspective, you know, if if it's all there, you know, and the engine runs, you're looking at eight grand to a high. I would say for a regular North American car uh, with a uh, premium color in great condition with a great pedigree, you're talking $75,000. is where I see the price range for a North American car. So, Jeff, in your opinion, do you think we've hit the bottom of the market as far as prices? Yeah, well, I guess the bottom would have occurred back in the, around 2000, the late 90s and 2000s. That's when it was really low. Since then, the market's been cyclical, going up and down. So I, I think the cheapest you could buy a 968 was probably, uh, you know, when they were straight used cars, you know, not even entering the collector aspect at all. I think in the early 2000s, that's when they were at their lowest. Um, I think they've continued to climb in a cyclical, cyclical pattern since then. As far as this recent thing, like I said earlier in the, the discussion, three years ago, it, it peaked a little bit with the collector car market, but then the collector car market in general went down, and then now we're back up on the next. So I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to follow the collector car market, you know, in general. Uh, and again, you know, A, B, C, D, E, and F, uh, you know, it's going to be right there where it goes. But I think right now the collector car market is on a slight uh, pick up. You can watch the auctions and see that. And okay. I think that 968 is carrying right along. So Jeff, as far as pricing of the 968, do you, do you feel that they'll just continue to appreciate and follow the market? I do. Yes, I do. I think that the, uh, um, again, A cars grow more, B cars are next, uh, but I think the C cars will, you know, which is where I see the 968 will continue to appreciate as well and do, and do good in the market. So given, um, Given where the market is today and where it might be headed, if uh, if a listener decides that they want a 968 as well, or maybe they, they own a 968 and they're in it for sort of that $10,000, $15,000 mark, that's a pretty good investment as mm-hmm. much as you can have investment in a, in a car. It seems like that's money maybe well spent and money that they can always get back out of it because the, as the market trails upward over time, they're in a pretty good place. Yep. And I, I think you would agree that when we're talking cars, even if you can get out dead even, you've done well. Most people buy cars and they lose money. But, yeah. you know, if I go buy a brand new one. It's going to most it's going to go down initially. So if you can get into a car and own it for five years and enjoy it and sell it for exactly what you paid for it, you've got nothing to complain about. And you know what? Like I said, the, the 968 itself is not going to be a, a tremendous appreciator. Like I said, that's part of being a grade C car. I think it'll appreciate somewhat, but, uh, you know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, a grade A. So, uh, but I think you do all right with that. 
The other interesting thing that's going on, Gene, is, as you know, the 968 turned 25 years old uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah. So with that, we're starting to see the opposite happening. Um, we've had a few club sports, which were Euro-only vehicle, start to arrive on US in the U.S., and that's very interesting because you can own them now. You can register them without a significant federalization expense, which, which is what you would have been faced with previously. Yeah. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, talk about exclusivity. Um, you know, the, uh, the club sports, which they made about 1,800 of them in total, they're totally non-existent in the U.S. till just the recently. And so people are bringing them in and you are seeing very large numbers associated with the people that have brought them in. It was funny, you made, of all the countries you mentioned before, you mentioned Belgium. One of the most recent club sports that made it in to is now living in Pennsylvania is indeed a Belgium 968. So uh, interesting. So, yes. Of all cars you were to of countries you were to mention, that's the um, I'm really kind of shocked that uh, they only made 1,800 of those because the pictures are so prolific, right? You see a lot of pictures and maybe that's just, you know, they bought the decal, right? <laughs> maybe they made 1,800, but Ooh. they sold 50,000 decals because <laughs> it seems like that it's wound well, up on a lot of cars. It's funny. Now, the nice thing about it, I don't own one yet. I would love to own one, maybe someday. Uh, but they do have their own unique VIN series. So, uh, but really? that said, there are some some cars within that VIN series which are not club sports. They made this version over in England called the Sport, which is kind of like a, it's in between a regular 968 and a club sport, but it's not a club sport. Uh -huh. You could get, it came with more, but not as much as the standard one. And, but it does have the same VIN series as the club sport. But they only made, they only were sold in England, so they only may think they made 100. So you could find some trickery going on there if you wanted to, you know. But you can, again, with the certificate of authenticity, you could probably prove what it came with originally. But they do have their own unique VIN series. It's 815. So you can always tell, uh, you know, if you're looking at a club sport or a sport because uh, they have that unique VIN. But uh, that said, you, you know, the club sports are even more of a racer's car. They don't have, uh, they have, a, uh, you know, no rear seat. A lot of them don't have sunroofs. They don't have roll-up windows. Some don't have air conditioning. They even have a wire loom that is uh, less uh, weight than the standard one. Um, so a lot of performances, you know, at a lot of Maremo 30 cars. Some of them have the hard backs and everything. So they're definitely cool cars. Uh, the other thing is obviously that many of them have racing history. So you know, you know, see how hard of a history they had. But again, I expect to see more of them making their way into the U.S. I would love to get one someday. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. You got room in that garage, huh? Yeah. Not really. <laughs> Anything else that we ought to think about with, with looking at a 968? I know some well, things can be expensive. Um, from the car's perspective, I think they're, they're you know, they're a pretty solid car. You know, any anybody that knows their way around a car. Um, you know, knowing whether or not cars had body damage or paint work or, you know, mechanical work or, you know, that all applies to the 968 just like any other car. I think the extra piece that goes along with the 968, which is like with goes along with every collectible Porsche is that pedigree. You want to have a car that has the books. You want to have a car that has the history. You know, the more paperwork you can get, the better. If you've got the window sticker, if you've got all the maintenance history, if you've got the, uh, you know, all the original paperwork that was delivered when it was for sale. Porsche people are nuts about that stuff. So yeah. the more of that, do more of that documentation you have, 
the better. And, you know, and that doesn't matter whether we're talking a 911, a 914, a 928, or a 968. You know, if you have all that stuff, you, your, your car is that much more solidified as a, a bona fide electric car. So again, if I'm out shopping, uh, that's something I always like to see. And I myself personally maintain on my own cars. I like to show a nice solid paper trail that shows, you know, the work I've had done. And uh, so that's one thing. Um, again, learn the cars, find out what's, uh, what's right, and what's wrong. You know, they're 25 years old. So people have done stuff to them. You know, you want to make sure that, you know, nobody robbed something off of it or, or took a piece or whatever. And, you know, get, you know, Gene, what's crazy is the radios, you know, everybody was throwing those standard radios oh, out yeah. left right back in the day. And now to look for a CR, a CR one or CR two at the, they go for $750, just the, the standard AM FM cassette and the CD player, the CD two, forget it. Those are well over a thousand. So uh, incredible. Those things, which they threw out left and right are now worth significant dollars because people are taking the cars back to stock. The wheels. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a set a couple on wheels now can yep. go for well over $3,000. That's just for a set of wheels. And so yeah. uh, again, the more complete the car is, the less hunting you have to do, the better. Any kind of you're looking for the condition, if it, the car has been maintained and drives well, the paint looks good, those are all pluses. So that's all general car buying 101. And, uh, you know, you had a collector car, you want to make sure all those other pieces are there. Yeah. You're talking about parts. I, I had someone contact me a couple months ago wanting to know if I had a, the piece of plywood that is in the footwell of the passenger side. That the ECU bolts to? Okay. I don't know what happened to their original one, but they, they needed one. I'm like, let me go look. I went down the garage and, and, and I had one. I had a couple. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, I got I got one. It's original. I know which car it came out of. I could probably vent it for you, but yeah, I got one. So they were kind of happy to, to get that. You also mentioned paper trail. Um, when I moved from California to North Carolina with my then like 29,000 mile 968 it was it was uh it was blue blue top gray interior it was serial number 169 so i guess that's the 109th made uh recessed badge flat numbers all that kind of good stuff this was a 92 it was my 92 i brought into into uh, north carolina i went down to the uh the dmv to to get my title and a woman hands it to me and i look at it and there's no mileage on the, the new title and I said, but, but ma'am, where's the, where's the mileage? Oh, we don't do that for cars this old. So oh. I lost I lost the ability to prove, quote unquote, how many miles were on the car. I had to go back and revert to emissions inspections. And that was the way I was able to prove how many miles were on that car. <laughs> incredible? Pretty crazy. So, Gene, while... While, we're, while you were chatting, I, I just happened to pop over here to the 968 Registry Cabriolet database and uh, plugged in car number 169. And sure enough, I'm looking right at it. Uh, as you correctly surmised, it's vehicle number 109. It's the 109th 1992. And it's the 109th out of 2008 968 Cabriolet. Uh, I can see it's F8 midnight blue with an F8 dark blue top and a uh, classic gray interior. And if we pop over to the combo section, I can tell you that, uh, let's see, the number of midnight blue, dark blue tops with a uh, with a classic gray interior was 59. So your car was one of 59 made in that combination. I can also tell that uh, it, 
had a uh, partial, well, the metallic paint was an option, as was the partial classic gray interior. It also had the XD4 painted crest center caps. That was it for factory options. They had standard equipment, obviously, was the AMF and stereo and yeah. cruise control. I also can confirm your October 1991 build date, which was the second month of production, one that uh, uh, would have all those early uh, features uh, that you mentioned before, which was crested hood and the larger emblem badge. So, uh, yeah, looks like I was a pretty nice car. So very nice. Yeah, we, we, we missed that car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the other but, thing, Gene, I was going to mention was, uh, you know, the options. Obviously, uh, when you're looking at a car, um, you know, the more options you get, the better. The particular types of options, I mentioned the colors. I mentioned the limited slip. I mentioned the sports seats, the MO30 suspension. Those all adds good value. So if you can find a car with unusual options, that absolutely helps. Again, uh, if you ever want to learn more about the cars, uh, I invite people to check out 968register.org. We have a lot of option information on there as well as some production statistics. So you can go look at a car. If you have a car and you want to see how it compares to the to the whole production run, you can go over there and and that'll teach you all about the different option codes and how common and how rare they are. So again, those, those are definitely factors. The other thing is uh, one thing you're going to note, which is kind of a kind of funny conversation with have this with Eugene, is the fact that 968s are virtually impossible to change the color uh, because of the fact <laughs> that the color is everywhere. Um, you're never going to find a uh, yellow car that's uh, you know started as a green car or anything because there's paint in the engine compartment, there's paint in the jams, there's paint under the deck lid, there's paint everywhere. So you really, the only way you can change the color of a car is to completely take it apart, which you have done. So, uh, but that's the only way you can do it. Um, you know, every once in a while we'll come across, there was a guy selling a speed yellow cab and he tried to sell it for years and years and years, but it started life as adventuring green and it still had plenty of adventuring green on it. So needless to say, you had a tough time uh, selling it. Again, when it comes to color, you kind of got to get the car, the color that it was when it was new. You know, um, I defy anybody to go in my garage and find a, a molecule of black paint left on that car. <laughs> it um, it was a, a huge effort. The, the thing that I found just by accident was when, uh, when, when I went to strip the paint off that I found a guy here in uh, Mooresville, North Carolina, that uh, had a business of, you know, stripping paint and everything. And he suggested baking soda. And baking soda took off all of the paint, all of the primer, but left that galvanized coating that they put on the body shell in the factory. It, it didn't even touch it. So the, uh, the primer went on, no problem. The, the color went on uh, very easily. Uh, car looks great. <laughs> it's never been outside, but uh, I think I pushed it outside one day to wash it, but uh, it's still in the garage and we're still kind of working through things and, uh, me breaking my wrist here recently hasn't uh, hasn't sped up the process what, what whatsoever. So we're still working on that. The good thing is the only pl- the only thing connected blue uh, black metallic with your car is in my database. Other than that, uh, you know, and that's because that's the way it was when it was new. But uh, the, yeah. you're right, like you said, no one would ever know. So, but that yeah. is no easy task. But it's it's possible, right? The car now is Viola. It's right. possible because that was a 1993 optional color. 
So it was available in 94. If you, if you want to do special, the, the, the special wishes or whatever, you, okay. you could get it. Cause it, it's a, that flow was known prior to 1993. When, when was Viola plum or whatever the name of the color? When was that first used? I thought that was a later color. No, Viola was the 40th anniversary 9-11 special edition. This okay. was 93. And oh, okay. So the 9-11 came, the special edition 9-11 came in Viola or there was a silver that it could come in. Oh, so if you I Google that up. It's a later color. I always thought no, it was no, no. a 2000s color. Okay. Yeah. If you Google up those air cool guys with the Viola cars, I mean, okay. they are absolutely gorgeous. In fact, there's one in North Carolina over in Raleigh that uh, that I've only seen pictures of, but it's it's a, a truly beautiful car. And I think I sent you what I think is evidence that there's a European 968 that was done in Viola. I had that one picture. It's just the fender and it's sitting in the parking lot at the factory. I think right. there was at least one of those, but uh, right. very unique color. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love, love the color. And I think I might've told you, so uh, of those 4,242 968s produced for North America, 18 of them were colored a sample, but the, I haven't found them all. But the majority of them that I have found are pre colors that were used like the previous year or two that somebody came in and said, well, I really like Amazon green. Sorry, it's not available anymore. But if you want a color to sample it, then you can get it. And then they did. So yeah. there are always colors that were used previously. And so just like uh, Viola, which was one year only, 93, you said? I think 93, maybe 94. It was available okay. after that. Okay. So then if you would come in 95 and really love that color, like you said, you can color to sample it and get it that color. So when we were at the parade in Savannah, mm -hmm. I was down there with another guy and I was waiting for him to go through the registration line. I already gone through and I was standing next to some display cars and one of them was a turbo. And I was just standing here looking at this car and I thought it was black. And we were inside the, uh, the convention center. Okay. It was Viola. I kind of remember that. You know, if that sounds strange to people listening, I will tell you that one of the days that I pushed my car outside to wash it, my wife came around the corner and thought I'd bought another black car. <laughs> that deep. That so it didn't, didn't go well for about 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. The thing is that um, in the bright sunshine, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's violet. There's no question about it. Cloudy yeah. day, it could look black. And I think one of the guys with the 911s on the 911 board was talking about his neighbor thought his car was black for a couple of years. Right. So it's kind of a strange color. Good. But you like it. Love it. I love that's, it. I can't. I can't wait to. I can't wait I know for you it to. Put, you put years into deciding what color you were going to paint that car. That's good that you're happy with your decision. You know, it's funny, Jeff. People still respond to that posting on Renlist. <laughs> Somebody made a suggestion the other day of what color I should paint it. Which mm -hmm. was kind of funny. Yeah. All right, my friend. Um, again, another great session. I, I appreciate this. Um, well, again, right. it was a lot of fun, Gene. And try. Yeah. So it was funny when I was packing to go to Amelia. I was putting my stuff in the suitcase, and I came across the shirt on the top, and I said, "I got to bring it down to Amelia so I can surprise those guys and take a picture." So that I was... wore it that day, and I said, "Cheryl, all right, I got to get a picture. I got to find the right place." So I knew I knew I would crack you up on that one. That was. So. That was perfect. And I, I saw the picture you posted later on uh, standing next to a 968 and you had a collared shirt over it. And then I realized, yeah, it's a collared shirt kind of place. Yeah. Right. Really appreciate that. Uh, that's, that's, all right, Jeff. 
You have a great evening. And uh, again, we appreciate you joining us today. All right, guys. A lot of fun. Thank you so much. Take Thank care. you, Jeff. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to the Midlife Motorhead Podcast. Make sure to check out our main website at midlifemotorheads.com and all our social outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.